Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. We're here, we're live, and oh, what a beautiful morning. Can you see that? Sure, look at this. We've already got light in the sky here in Sunny Slope, and it couldn't be more gorgeous. We've got a sunrise out here now. It looks like it was painted by, uh, oh, I can't even think of the artist who painted this well. But it's absolutely gorgeous with the hills here and the light just hitting and bouncing off the clouds. If you haven't been outside yet, perfect time to take a walk outside. But first... Give Shira a call because we've got wide open phones. The number to call is 602-277-5827. That's 277-KTAR. And uh, give Shira a call. She, she's back here smiling. She was here early this morning, and she's ready to go. And we could talk about anything you want to grow, water, plant, fertilizer, kill, plenty of things to do. It's the perfect time of year. Um yeah, the weather just couldn't be any nicer. Our forecast is fantastic. Uh, don't have to worry about freezes. So if you're in the mood to prune, if you're in the mood to plant, if you're in the mood to fertilize, all those things are great. And in order this time of year, uh, lots of different things we can talk about from, uh, you know, now's a great time to go out and taste citrus. If you haven't tasted a tangelo, now's when they're really good. And uh, a lot of other citrus, too, the... Uh, Oh, like the tango mandarins. Those are getting to be their best. The navels, you want to kind of start using those kind of up because they'll, they'll get to where they're going to fall off a tree here in the next month or so. So use them up, make some juice out of them, but mainly enjoy them or share them with a friend. Lots of fun citrus to grow here. And then we you know, come into our spring season with peaches, apples, plums, and pears, and we can grow some summer things that are kind of fun. You can even grow you know, your own prickly pears here and eat nopalas or just eat the fruit, whichever you enjoy. And if you ever get the opportunity and it looks like this is going to be a magnificent year. It would be the perfect time to, this summer harvest some uh, fruit from a saguaro. If you've never eaten a saguaro fruit, don't let the doves have them all. You can have one as well, and they are quite tasty. Anyway, we start the program off with pretty open phones. You lead the direction. We'll talk about anything you want to grow. And if you have a different idea, suggestion, something different you're growing at home or a new style or way of doing things, we're all here to listen and learn. The number to call once more, 602 277 277-KTAR. We get to the end of the program. Sometimes it's a little tricky to get in, but right now it's quite easy. Uh, you could be after John and Mesa here in the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. John and Mesa, good morning. Yeah, hi. How are you? I'm doing well. Beautiful morning, John. Yeah. Um, okay, so we have some Italian cypress in our backyard. They're doing fine. We had some in our front yard that are still there. We left the state for a couple of years, rented the house out. When we came back, they were all brown. So being concerned there, and they're about 30 or 40 feet tall, a couple are close to the house. So we figured we'd better get rid of them. So we had someone come in and cut them down to about 10 feet. They cut all the branches off. I noticed um, and the reason I left the 10 feet was so I could have leverage when I ripped, you know, when I took them out completely. Right. I understand. So, yeah. So I noticed that where they had cut all the little branches off, which is what they did before they, you know, cut everything off there, there were little black circles inside, you know, where you could see the cut mark. 
Uh-huh. Okay. And I figured, okay, that whatever killed it, whatever that was. However, when I, I took a couple feet off the top because 10 feet was a little bit hard to manage. And when I did that, I noticed in the main trunk, the main trunk looks fine. I don't see any black or any disease or anything like that. So my question is, if I just leave these here, could they eventually grow branches and recover? Well, John, have they sprouted any growth at all? Well, they just, this just happened. Um, they just cut them a week, week ago. Week okay. And a half ago. Well, let me ask you this, John, on the plants before they cut them, was there any green at all? Uh, I didn't look real closely, but no, I didn't. I didn't notice any. I mean, if they were completely brown and it's come to the heat, especially from last summer or maybe even two summers ago, um, they probably won't come back. And it's hard for them oh, really? to, to regenerate new foliage off the sides. And if they did, they might look a little odd. So, I mean, if you want to leave them for a month or so and see if you pop any buds, you certainly can. And it's not that it's impossible, but it's probably not going to happen if there was no green at all, or even on the interior of the portion of the plant. Um, then they uh-huh. probably won't come back. I will tell you though that it's pretty unusual for Italian cypress to die with dignity. They usually just don't give up. They usually kind of, you know, kind of hang in there, and they're brown and they're ugly, but they're still alive. So, you know, best guess for me is just to leave them and, and see what happens. If you want to leave them for another month or so, and if they don't pop any buds by the, you know, say the middle of uh, March or first of April. I'd pull them out for sure. Okay, awesome. All right, well, thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you, John. Thanks for being our first caller. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. You too, thank you. Uh, Marlene up in Wickenburg. Good morning, Marlene. Good morning to you. And I'm calling, I have citrus questions. Okay. I have a, a grapefruit tree that the leaves just want to be turning yellow. It's mm-hmm. a tree that's probably like about... Um, 30 years old, and the, some of the branches are dying, and the create fruit are very small this year. Okay, so now's the time to give it love and attention, and this is when it can really change. You know, this is spring. This is the new birth and the regeneration period. So what we want to do with our citrus right now is fertilize them. Okay, and on a big tree like that, you'd probably want to put on about five pounds, okay, of like a sixteen eight four or sixteen eight two fertilizer, and uh, five okay. pounds is is only going to be about a pound of nitrogen, okay. And you could do that. That's why we have the three time a year fertilizer schedule, just so it's easy to remember Valentine's Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day, and uh, now I is that. So now is the perfect time that. to do that, okay. And make sure it's deep watered but doesn't stay wet. Um, where you are in Marlene in Wickenburg, are you on the side of a hill where it's rocky and drains fast, or where are you located? I'm, I'm on Caliche. <laughs> okay, you're on Caliche, so it doesn't drain? I don't think it drains real well. Okay, so do you have a well around it when you fill, fill that full of water? No, I just have, I use hoses at, and um have it going slowly for okay. a long time. And where your hose is going slowly for a long time, does it puddle up or does it keep continue to go down? No, no, it goes down. Okay, it so you've got down. you got decent drainage, and so that's not a problem. You know, realistically, this time of year, if, even if it's uh, you know, if it's real hard caliche, it wouldn't wouldn't percolate. So it's not too hard then; it's just rocky. So probably watering now once every two weeks. Okay. And you can keep that up until it's over 105, and then if it's 105 or 110, you can water once a week in the heat of the summer. 
Uh, but but no more than that now. And really in, in December and January, once a month's probably fine. So, you know, go to two-week watering. And if you want to cut the tree back, if it's got some dead wood on it, uh, now is the perfect time to prune it back, okay? And that'll make it easier for the tree to recover. It won't be feeding as much. And you want to do that right away so that it has time to put out new foliage and cover and protect itself before it gets hot. Okay, and then I also have a navel tree that the leaves have just turned yellow. They're dropping off, and uh-huh. I wondered if I can send you a picture that you could see it. Sure. I need to know uh, where I can send it to. Well, if you'll just uh, you know hold on after the call, and then I'll have uh, uh-huh. Shira take your number, and I'll, I'll, give you a, I'll text you after the show, and you can send me a photo. Okay, okay, because I have another navel orange tree that looks beautiful, but this one is just, and I don't know if it has some kind of a disease. Well, a lot, of, a lot of times we're in rockier soil. We have a lot of difference in drainage and things, you know, in a, in a given area. I grew up here in the mountains of Sunny Slope, and uh, there were places in our yard that, you know, you couldn't even hardly jackhammer through. And I can remember okay. planting a lemon tree for my mother one day when I was, you know, healthy kid, about 16 years old. And for a 15-gallon, it took me three hours to dig the hole, you know, because it was that solid of rock. And we didn't have jackhammers. We just had rock bars. So it was a lot of work. But, you know, when you get in the hillside, you, you can have significant significant differences in drainage and it might be that you know one tree that drains a lot faster needs a lot more water and one that doesn't uh, has more soil you know will retain more and that can make a big difference but hey, you're welcome to send me a okay. picture and uh, we'll get right back to you after the show okay okay thank you so much hold on and we'll day. get your number thanks marlene uh troy and chandler good morning mr troy Hi, good morning. Hey, we have a, trying to pay back on that call. We have an Arizona sweet tree, I guess, and uh, we haven't been watering it because uh, just all the rains that we've had. Should I start watering it now? Well, Troy, what we do out in the grove is we check the soil. You know, so we'll go out with a screwdriver. And if you got pretty good moisture in the top five or six inches this time of year, chances are it's wet down below, too. And our orchards, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we haven't irrigated since December. Now, we're in a place over on the Queen Creek uh, Mesa border that seems to, for some reason, get a lot of rain, especially when we want to pick. You know, (laughs) it gets in there where we can't get the fruit out. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't be bad if you're going to fertilize to go ahead and fertilize right now and give it one good deep irrigation to take the fertilizer down. And uh, okay. and then kind of watch the soil what for a schedule. Well, we have one at the nursery there in Gilbert. It's called Organo Pro Citrus Food that we really like. It's got uh, chelated iron and sulfur, which set it apart mm-hmm. from some of the others. Um, you know, like Arizona Best is a pretty good fertilizer too. This one's just a little better because the iron's chelated. But you know, yeah. that's that's a pretty good fertilizer if that's what you have available. And um, you know, yeah. now's the time to feed. Yeah, and I heard you you tell the other caller that it was you should do about five pounds on on a on a mature citrus tree with with one of these uh, you know they're, they're like Arizona's best or or Organo Pro about five pounds. Mm-hmm. You'd want to be careful if you were going to use like a twenty one seven fourteen fertilizer to put that much at one time because it's different mm-hmm. formulation. It's made from ammonium nitrate. And that releases very quickly and you can burn, you know, a lot easier. So you would just cut that amount like in half and then do it over a couple of different, you know, fertilizations. And um, okay. so it's, it's, it's easier to feed more often and, and maybe not make a mistake, but you know, the ones that I'm familiar with and, you know, there's a lot of different brands, all kinds of fertilizers made from different things.
thing. So you want to utilize them according to what type of nitrogen they have and how fast it releases. What we do in our own orchards is we feed them all with uh, chicken manure because we're certified organic. So we can't really use the 1684 or the other ones. Not that I think there's any problem with any of those fertilizers. Not that I probably wouldn't use them if I wasn't certified organic. But, uh, you know, that's just yeah. what we chose to do. And so that's why right. we use okay. a lot of chicken manure. Okay. Uh, and we tr- we trimmed it. How much should we trim it? You could trim, trim citrus a lot this time of year. You know, if you want to reduce the citrus trees, you know, size, you can trim it a lot. You know, if you drive by our orchards, we're, we're on Germain and um, Signal Butte. You'll see that we've, mm-hmm. we've, we're topping them right now. So we have a hedging machine that we're going through and we cut them. As soon as we finish picking this time of year, we'll take like on the lemon trees about four or five feet off the top. And, um, okay. Because we want to keep them so that we can maintain the fruit and don't have to have 20 foot ladders, you know, especially on the lemons and tangelos. But uh, other trees yeah. there, like the navels, um, you know, they get trimmed about once every eight or 10 years. I mean, we don't trim those much at all. Okay. Because they just don't grow. Okay, very great. Thanks, Troy. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. We're going to take a short break while we're gone. Yes, we're going to be gone for a moment. We're going to have a brief, brief, brief commercial interruption here in the programming. But while we're doing that, we have the lovely Shira. She's going to be back here working on the phone. So if you'll give her a call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTR, you could be after Jared on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We'll be right back and uh, give Shira a call. We do have a few lines available, and the lovely Shira is here on Phones and Music. All you have to do is give her a call, and you could be after Margaret in the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. The number to call, 602-277-5827. That's 277-KTAR. Good morning, Jared. Hello, how are you? No one's enjoying the morning. It couldn't be any prettier here. Right. Hey, uh, quick question for you. So about six to eight months ago, my wife bought a uh, little hibiscus tree from one of your places in South Phoenix here. And uh, we've been watering it. We'll plant it. Everything's been good. Been watering it about once every about once every day. 
uh, when it was warm, a little bit warmer out, and then we went to once every two days. But probably in the last three months, the end of the leaves started getting brown, so we thought it was maybe the hard water from the city. So we switched to, the, to distilled water. Still having the same problems. Well, um, Jerry, just, I, t- I tell you a little, little kicker. Distilled water is yeah. not as good as hard water. Uh, oh, you know, okay. if, you, if you take the minerals out of water, our, our city water right now is probably some of the best. And this is the best time of year. So our water quality is fantastic. The thing with hibiscus, okay. though, is in the wintertime when it's cold, they really can't grow and don't respond. So and, okay. and you're probably watering it too much. Really, okay. realistically, uh, you know, installed in the ground. Where, where do you live, Jerry? We're cross streets. Uh, 43rd Avenue, Thunderbird. Okay. And it's in a, it's in a, like a, I would say a 15 gallon uh, pot. Oh, you put it back pot. into a container. Okay. So yeah. in a container, yeah. you're going to need to feed it. And if the easiest oh. way to feed it right now would be with Osmocote. And Osmocote's okay. great because it lasts two or three months. Have you fed it at all? Uh, no, we haven't. We just topped it off with some soil. Okay. So yeah, make sure that in the pot, it's not planted too deep. Okay. Make sure that okay. the original root ball is pretty close to the surface. If you find it's deeper, you can just pull it up and tamp it back in. It'll be fine. Uh, in a, in a container with, with light potting soil, you probably want to water it the most about twice a week. You know, and okay, then if it gets cool. real hot in the summer, it may take more water. But it's going to take a little heat for it to, to perk up, and uh, the heat's going to come. You know, it, this is kind of where they're just starting to wake up. They really like 85 yeah. degrees and hotter. So it's just going to wake up. Okay. Fertil- fertilize it right now and stand back, and spring is going to come. And it'll pop back out and be in bloom in a few weeks. Perfect. Thank you for your help. Thanks, Jared. Bye-bye. Uh, Margaret and Sun Lakes. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning, Ryan. Um, I have two questions. One is so much wheat mm-hmm. on my yard. What is the safest uh, wheat killer to buy? A goat. That doesn't cause cancer. A goat. Just get a little baby goat out there. I, you know, we have a pygmy goat at our house, and it uh, it does a fine job. I mean, actually, it's everything you don't want it to eat. It eats the trees and the bushes. That's its favorite. But um, realistically, Margaret, is most of these chemicals you can buy can be pretty safe if you use them correctly. Uh, glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup, uh, is a very good contact herbicide. Works very well. Um, the thing is, if you spray the weeds when they're a half inch tall, you don't have to put very much on. If you let them get two, three feet, it's a lot and a lot more you know work and a lot more chemical you would use. But if you use them correctly, if you follow the label, it, it's, glyphosate's a pretty safe product. You know, if you get it on your hands and if you if you spray it out there with shorts and get it on your skin, you know that can cause problems for you. So you wouldn't want to do that. You want to always read the label and you always want to protect yourself from any of these chemicals, but it's much safer than a lot of the others. Okay. You're going to find ones out there like ortho ground control. And there's one that's a roundup brand. Now it says it lasts for six months. Those have some very different chemicals in them that uh, really aren't as tried and proven as the glyphosate is. And they're also chemicals that are going to have residual damage to your plants and shrubs and trees in your yard. So I really recommend not using using any of those. And probably the safest thing to do is in the fall, uh, put down a pre-emergent and that you'd put down in September and then again in January. And oftentimes, Margaret, after using it for a year or so, you don't really have any weed seeds left and not much of a problem. Uh, well, well, how do you spell that? Uh, well, the, the pre-emergent, there's different ones, but like pendimethalin is one. You'll, you'll find different ones. Amaze is one. And basically, you know, you put those on, but they have to go in before the season, before the weeds come to seed. Okay. So it's too late okay. for those now. So September and when? Where's September the... and January. 
January. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, so right now I should get it by the glyphosate. Well, glyphosate, uh-huh. that's the active ingredient, and Roundup is the common brand that people know the name the most. But be careful of the Roundup brand now because they're selling other formulations that have other herbicides mixed in with that that can cause long-term damage to your plants. Oh, well, okay. we don't want to, we don't care because of the weeds, right? Well, so, yeah, but if you have flowers and trees and things growing in your yard, other than those weeds, you do care because it's going to damage your, your other plants. And oh, I've, okay, I've seen these chemicals you. oftentimes now whenever I have a customer that says, well, this tree we planted two years ago, it's stunted, it's not growing. And I go look at their home and I look at the tree and I see the buds are all studded. Then I see the buds are studded maybe on their hibiscus and different things around. And I say, well, what would you spray? Well, we didn't spray anything. We just have this little brown bottle in the garage. When I go look and it's like, you know, that's ortho ground clear. And, you know, that chemical leaches into the soil and can hurt plants that you never intended to hurt. So not necessarily did you have to spray it on the plants, but it goes in the soil. So I would be careful and not use, you know, any of these longer term types of herbicides. There's a lot of new ones out and I don't think any of them are worth, shouldn't even be marketed in my opinion. But uh, okay, if so you use glyphosate, it's okay. pretty safe, but you want to keep it off your skin. You want to follow, you know, follow all the precautions and as okay. with any chemical. Margaret, thanks okay, for the well, call. One more, one more question. Okay. Have too. Uh, uh, the other one is that I got this uh, pomelo tree from your Gilbert, Gilbert location a long time ago, uh-huh. a few years ago. Now, the first year, it has good palm, uh, good fruit. Mm-hmm. The second year, it's dried. I don't know. Maybe we didn't have enough water. The well, third, the, okay. Uh, right now, it's half juicy, half dried. I don't know what. What happened? Well, I think what what happened, yeah, probably got sunburned, Margaret, especially if it's a younger tree and the fruit's exposed to the sun and as hot as it was last summer. You know, like even when our our orchards, like the navel oranges on the top of the tree where they're exposed to a lot of sun, you know, we we, we didn't use those to pack and sell to grocery stores because they were dry on one side. So it just was the heat and the sunburn. Okay, so there's nothing out for. No, as the tree gets bigger, though, the fruit on the interior of the tree should be pretty good. Uh, The ones on the outside where they're in the sun, especially on the south and west side, can cook. Cannot help it. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Margaret. Bye-bye. Dave in Tempe. Good morning, Dave. Yes, good morning, Brian. Um, Several questions for you this morning. First of all, Hesperalo. There are several hybrids out there now, uh, brake lights, desert flamenco and stuff. Do you have those or will you be getting uh, we, we have some and uh, more coming this time of year. And, um, yeah, I have a friend, Ron Gass, that uh, his farm, you know, Mountain States Nurseries, uh, he has a farm down in uh, by Wilcox. Right. By, by Sunsites, yeah. where he had like 300 acres of experimental uh, Hesperalos. So yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how many of them they're a wholesaler, but uh-huh. they show you as one of their retailers. So that's why I uh-huh. thought I'd ask you. So you have some and you... Well, we'll have a lot some. more in the next couple of weeks. I mean, right now we're just kind of restocking for the spring. You know, we got all the Christmas trees out and everything's coming in. So I'm not sure how many we have this week, but within the next two or three weeks, uh, we'll have probably four or five varieties. We have a right. yellow one and we have a tall one with a pink flower on it and like mm-hmm. the brake lights, the, the, the darker reds. But they're, they're a very useful plant here in our landscape. Oh, yeah, they're beautiful. Next question is mangaves. Uh-huh. Uh, 
on the label it says full sun, but then I read online that that might not apply to Phoenix. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, no, that, that doesn't apply to Phoenix. You know, here I would recommend that morning exposure or south right up against the house. Dave, I'm going to have to let you go because we have to, because Susan Monday is here on Sunday with the news. And uh, you want to hold on or you want to call back or what would you like? Uh, yeah, I'll hold on. Okay, I'll put you on hold. We'll be right back after the news now that we have the lovely Susan Monday in the office. And the interim, you can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827 on the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. Up in the morning Out on the job Work like the devil for my pay Lucky old son Ain't got nothing to do Roll around Fuss with my woman, tore for my kids, and sweat till I'm wrinkled and gray. But that lucky old son ain't got nothing to do. Roll around heaven all day. Son, I'll tell you what, got a good job up there, doesn't he? Doing a really nice job of it this morning, too. It's a beautiful sunrise with great clouds and uh, really pretty. Well, we better get back to our work. We got to get to the phones. Looks like the lines are full. We'll be back with Dave and Tempe first. Hello, Dave. Okay, thanks, uh, Brian. My next question is regarding Tacoma or other blooming shrubs. Mm -hmm. Does it help or is it beneficial to use super bloom on them to make them bloom more absolutely i mean they really don't require it i mean in most of the tacoma you know the tacoma stands all the different varieties new cultivars are pretty hardy but it'll it doesn't hurt anything extra phosphorus is a good thing okay and then lastly around the regarding the roundup Mm -hmm. um i had some trouble finding it with the glyphosate recently so i did some research and i found online it said that monsanto discontinued the manufacture of Roundup with glyphosate in 2023 for residential use. Huh. It's still available for commercial use, but they said that they phased it out for residential. So well, then I, then I, would, then I wouldn't. Inventory. I, that's good to know, but if, yeah, because I wouldn't recommend that brand anymore then. You know, I would yeah, look for and I checked a couple of other brands, and I was at two of the big box stores. Uh-huh. That's all I checked at, but uh-huh. I couldn't find any other brands that still had the glyphosate. Well, we, so we've, got, we, like we, we've got, we've got kills all and a couple other ones that do. So you still do. Okay. Yeah. So it's a good pointer for people to know, but you have to look on the, you know, what it's manufactured from and glyphosate, um, you know, is probably the safest thing and it's been used more worldwide than any other chemical and it yeah. has to be managed, you know, and, and there's a lot of things we have to do. But it's, uh, you know, it's been proven pretty safe when used properly. Hey, Dave, thanks yeah, for the call. I, I had to get some other lines. Thanks. Um, Lee in Queen Creek, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Um, I have a mulga tree uh-huh. that last summer it dropped its needles kind of on the bottom branches. Okay. The top, the top, top part looks okay, 
But I was wondering, does it need some type of fertilizer? Or No, you know, that's kind of the nature of that tree as it grows with time, you know, and then dropping some foliage in the bottom and having the canopy denser in the top is how a lot of trees support themselves. Because those lower okay. interior leaves, especially, um, aren't required and don't really photosynthesize and feed the plant like the outskirts and the canopy does. So really, uh-huh. as trees age, that's pretty normal. Okay. Because uh, I have one in the front, too, and, and it's, it's just fine and doing beautifully. So, mm-hmm. Well, it, it can be a little happier in different soils and different, you know, exposures. So that can make a little difference here and there, too. And, and in general, you know, the Cation Mulga is a pretty darn hardy tree. And, uh, you know, if you want to refoliate more, feed it this spring. It's really just now starting to wake up. But feeding it somewhere okay. in March would be a good thing. Well, what what do I, sorry, what do I feed it with? Well, it can't read. So if you have some 10-10-10 or miracle Grow at Home or if you have citrus okay. food or 21-7-14 lawn food, all those things will work. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Lee. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we got Michael and Scottsdale. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Good question. Uh, regarding uh, a lot of fertilizer talk, uh, we, I really want my backyard to pop. Uh, does it matter? Uh, and you just said they can't read, but uh, the, is there anything that I can't fertilize in the back, like in the normal stuff, bougainvillea, or is there something that I should not be? No, um, you, you can use, you know, a general fertilizer and everything. About the only thing you have to be mindful of and probably never use on a shrub is anything that says like a weed and feed, like for lawns. And you wouldn't want to use those around any broadleaf plants because they're going to be specifically toxic to anything with a leaf on it instead of a monocot plant like a palm tree. So... You know, but as, other than that, most fertilizers are going to work pretty well. You do have to be mindful of what the, the the ingredient for the nitrogen is. If it's going to be ammonium nitrate, which is a very common good fertilizer, it's hotter than others, and you got to be careful not to put too much on because it releases quickly. Okay. It, well, one last question. Like, I know it comes in, like, bags and granules and stuff. You just kind of put it in the base and soak it in. Is that the... Kind of theory? Well, most fertilizers, it depends on how your watering system is. What we do, you know, at a farm is we like to mix it in the water and inject it into our irrigation systems. We have farms on drip, and that makes it a lot easier to do. Um, but at home, that's probably not practical for most people. So you can just spread it around under and you have to water it in. If you have a drip system, you might want to take a hose and hose it in because the drip right. system might not get enough moisture on it to break it down. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And then, like, uh, like I think somebody said, super bloom, but uh, miracle grow. Those those also kind of work on the blooming stuff too. That'll give it a little. Super uh, bloom is an excellent product because it's lower in nitrogen, higher in phosphate, and it has a good miners package. Okay. So what it does, it keeps things blooming and rooting, but it doesn't encourage as much vegetative green growth. So if you have a flowering plant, you don't want to prune, you want to be full and happy and flower a lot. It's excellent. miracle Grow, though, likewise, is pretty high in phosphorus. It's 1530. So because it's pretty high in phosphorus, it's good for blooming plants as well. All right. Well, thanks for the question. Thank you. And enjoy the day. It's a beautiful Sunday. Oh, it doesn't get any prettier. Bye-bye, Mike. <laughs> Bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Chris in Queen Creek. Good morning, Chris. Hey, good morning. I have a few uh, red push trees around my property. They're all in gravel, uh-huh. and they have about uh, five-foot wells around them. Can I put that same gravel in the well, or should I not do that? No, you can put it in the well. You know, the, the pistachios are pretty good at producing enough canopy to shade and protect their trunk if they've been in for a while. And if you mm-hmm. want to put the gravel in the well, it's not going to hurt anything at all. 
And uh, and they're pretty amazing, Chris. With the pistachio trees, what you want to do is not make sure you just don't keep them too wet. Water them infrequently and deep, and they'll thrive. They're a pretty easy tree to grow. Great. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Let's see. Jim in Ahwatukee. Hello, Jim. Hey, good morning, Brian. Um, Two quick questions. I have three 40-foot, 40-year-old Arizona pine trees uh-huh. uh, in my front yard, and I recently took out the irrigation and wiped out. I took out the grass and put in gravel. So now I had put in a drip system for those trees, and uh, I put the pressure regulator in it. I've heard you talk about uh, how much water and how long and how deep. <laughs> so can I hear that again, please? Well, Jim, on, on a big pine tree like that, Okay, it's going to take quite a bit of... Where Are you off the hill in Ahwatukee, like 40th Street, or where are you at? Uh, uh, right in the middle of the loop up by the equestrian center, up against the okay. mountain there. All right, so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah yes, but you're, yes, you're, you're, yes, you're up by the top of the hill then, by the mountain. Yes, sir. Okay, on, on the north side of Equestrian Trail. Um, right. Yeah, so as you get up that hill, that soil drains pretty fast, okay? So if yeah. your drift system won't work fine, um, but what you're going to want to do is you want to run it for a long time, and most of your roots are going to be up closer to the surface. You had just a lawn underneath them before, and you watered it with sprinklers? Yes, sir, that's what it was. Okay, so now we're going to have to kind of mimic that irrigation because a lot of those roots are going to be within the top two feet of the ground. And uh, oh, so, okay. you know, you're not you, you, over time, you can you're adjust it with that uh, drip system and adjust to it. But, you know, just to give you an example, we have one of our citrus groves. We're going to transition from flood irrigation to drip. And as we yes. do that, we're not going to eliminate our flood irrigation, you know, all at one time. We're going to put the drip system into the trees and then we're going to water with the flood. And then we're going to water, you know, less frequently. We'll put a, a drips, you know, irrigation in between the cycle the first year. And then we'll get it, you know, eventually kicked over to where the roots are kind of adjusted. So it'll all work on the drip. But uh, it's like your big pine tree right now. It's used to having that water, you know, all the way out and close to the surface. So what I would do is run your drip system probably once every two weeks, you know, and run it for a long time. So the water goes down deep. And then while it's hot, if you would take and just get one of those little Remember the old little round metal sprinklers that just put out the little round spray and then you can spray like 10 or 15 feet in a circle? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would buy a couple of those guys, okay? And uh, at least once a month, uh, just run those little sprinklers and you want to run them for several hours, okay? Just to get that area wet underneath those pine trees. And if you're noticing any brown on your pine trees this time of year, especially over the next month or so, you might have some aphids and things feeding on them. And you might pick up some bear disease or there's a bear like a grub control. And basically it's intermetachlorpin. Okay, well, I would put some of that on and fertilize them right now. And then I would follow up with the little lawn sprinkler, you know, out by the tree. Good answer. Okay, we'll do that. Next question. Uh, My pool fence, over the years I've had... These mesquite trees, they're just seedlings that fall from the neighbor's tree, and they grow up, they're starting to grow up along my pool fence. So every summer I come along and I cut them down to the ground, and by the end of summer they grow up again, and I've been doing that for a few years. Well, now I'm getting ready to dig them things out, and I got one of them dug out. My question is, is how far how far down do I got to cut off that root ball uh, so when I cover it up, it won't sprout. Well, again. if you can get it at like eight inches below the soil grade, you won't have a problem. 
All right. I'm ready to go again. Thanks All right, a lot, Jim. Brian. Have a great day. You as well. Oh, let's see. We're going to have to uh, take a short break. Lisa at Apache Junction, Sean in Youngtown. You'll be up next. And if you'll have to be after Sean, all you have to do is call our lovely Shira here. She's the one that puts on the whole program. The number to call, 602-277-5827. For the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, we're here every Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM. KTAR. clouds but we sure welcome them here in the desert you know it's funny that they call florida the sunshine state and they have about one third the lumens that we have bless you shira <laughs> we caught you sneezing anyway beautiful morning folks uh, give shira a call number to call 602-277-5827-277 ktar for the whitfield nursery garden show want to take a minute and invite you out to whitfield's you know whitfield's we grow trees started with my grandparents back in the 40s continuing today now for four generations all kinds of trees we specialize in citrus and palms but we've got beautiful 15 gallon citrus and larger we've got Great palm trees. We have date palms, fan palms, Mexican blues. We've got uh, mule palms, which look like a coconut, pygmy dates, uh, sagos, whatever you're looking for for palms, whether you want one for your yard or a thousand for a development, come out and see us. Beautiful shade trees, ashes, elms, pistachios. We have a great mesquite called an American mesquite, which is sturdy, doesn't break in the wind, stays evergreen and uh, thornless. Pretty nice tree. And lots of uh, fruitless olives like Swan Hills. If you want a really hardy tree in the desert, it's hard to beat an olive. There's tough as an ironwood and uh, very little water and nice green foliage and easy to take care of. And if, if you're looking to go native, we do have the, you know, things like ironwoods and the natives as well. Whatever your dreams, come out and see us. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale, the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe or 26470 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. Woodfield Nursery for four generations growing trees here in Arizona all around the state for Arizona's future. Uh, next up, we have Lisa at Apache Junction. Morning, Lisa. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Wonderful. It's just it's so pretty today. The, the mountains have greened up after the rain, and the, just gorgeous. It, it is wonderful. I just wanted to offer another option to get rid of the weeds, especially the stink net. Mm -hmm. That works really well. I know you're not a fan of wood chips, but... You can suffocate those, and we've done it. You know, you just put a bunch of wood chips on top of them, and they, Lisa, they go away. I, I'm not. I'm not against you know using a some type of a bark mulch. You know, the, the only hard part about it is is how long it lasts here, and you know, and and you know, like the state, like the uh, you know the little yellow devils that we call them out there in the desert. You know, the problem is, is when you have five acres or an acre of them, it's a lot of mulch to have to cover them up. But uh, that you know, is, 
but I know a lot of tree companies just want to get rid of that stuff and you could maybe pay a little bit more for them to, or you, a lot of them just give it to you for free. And maybe you could pay them to bring a tractor or other people who have tractors and stuff. Cause it does work. Oh, absolutely. You know? Anything to cover the ground and keep that seed from being on the surface and germinating is a wonderful thing. And that it's so unfortunate when that chamomile spread through our environment here, the way it has, and it, uh, oh, it's awfully yeah, prolific. It's horrible. It is not fun. Well, they said but they, even when, when, well, the, even after they've germinated, I'm saying you can suffocate them. So, and I read on online that you could put newspaper and cardboard over them as well. So, <laughs> I know it's a lot of work, but we could all use more exercise, right? Well, I'll tell you, I tell you, if you want to go through that much work, what you could do is you can get black plastic and and just anchor it down over the top of them and solarize them. You know, and you can, move you, it, you can move it around the yard and kill them that way, too. There, there's a lot of ways to, to skin a horse, but most of us don't like skinning horses. Anyway, have a oh, nice well. day. <laughs> you too, Brian. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next stop, we're going to have to get the right. Sean in Youngtown. Hi, Sean. Hey, Bob. Uh, artichoke guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, um, I just got, I just got to commend you on your, <sighs> your good information to tell the residents on I am a pest control guy and um it just I, I, I appreciate that that input because people gotta know. Well you, you know, know it, you, know, know. you know, the pest control guys, you're all licensed and you're professionals and we have all it's just like us in ag, you know. And we're we're under the right. state's jurisdiction. We have to have all of our workers trained. And unfortunately when people the go PPIs, to the hardware store you know you yeah. all your uh, you know, you you, you you tell them, say, hey, look, gloves, and that's, that's huge. That is huge that uh, your your, uh, your personal protection equipment. So um, uh, that's a good thing. Anyhow, uh, we'll, we'll get away. I just want to commend you for that and, and give you um, uh, the chemicals are out there are just huge. And um, they've got all this stuff going on with uh, uh, Camp Lejeune and all that stuff. So anyhow, um, anyhow, uh, I got to back to the point on me and my garden. I got a 25 year old citrus tree. So uh, I'm on the fence with a lot of things that say, okay, do you fertilize outside the umbrella? Well, here's the real trick of the trade, uh, Sean. You fertilize with your water, okay? So typically, okay. if you're, you know, if you had a flood irrigated lawn, you know, you can have some of the roots probably go out past the edge of the canopy or flood irrigation. But aside from that, you know, usually most of the roots on a tree are going to be underneath the canopy and typically closer to the trunk. But if you're running it on a drip irrigation, they're going to be, you know, closest to the water supply. So that, you know, you, you yeah, really want to fertilize with your water. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so, and I fertilize exactly. So, on the umbrella, um, and the spikes. I, I do the spikes. And this tree, and the neighborhood. These, uh, I have a, a a lady come up buying and pick oranges. I mean, this tree just overproduces, and they're beautiful oranges. They're perfect. So, um, I, I've I've done this yeah, about two or three years now, and. Uh, uh, I'm on the outside of the umbrella, and you know what I'm saying. That I was asking the question. Yeah, there's yeah, there's no reason to fertilize, you know, other than where you're applying water because there won't be many roots. <laughs> oh well, okay, so, but 
in the question, um, orange trees don't reach. Well, they're going to go where the water goes. Okay. The roots are going to be oh. where the water is. Okay. Most of the roots in citrus are in the top two feet. You won't have a lot deeper than that. Even with flood irrigation, still the majority of the roots are in the top two feet. So, and they're okay, going to so spread it, out it, of the canopy of the tree. And if you're watering with a drip system, they're going to be closest to where your emitter heads are because that's where the water is and that's where the tree's drinking right, from. Right, right. And they're going to so eat they're not they going to go any further than that. No. <laughs> okay, all right. All right. Great John, thanks for the Great call and, and have a nice day. Every Sunday. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Next, get right over. Uh, Maurice and Mesa. Good morning, Maurice. Good morning. How are you? Enjoying the morning. Thanks. Well, I mean, I'm really fairly new to gardening, and it's really my my partner. She gardens, and I cook. But we're trying to grow an herb bed in our on our patio. Uh-huh. Doesn't get much sun, and we have an issue. We're growing some parsley, some chives. Yeah, you're going to need to be successful, Maurice, probably at least five or six hours a day of sun. Okay. If you got it too far back under there, it doesn't have to have direct sun, really bright light, though, if it doesn't. Okay. So out as close to the edge, you know, usually on the south side, it was is the best because you'll have light that will come back in under the patio this time of year. And then it gets shaded in the heat of the summer and then it goes back in the fall to back being in the full sun. But you're going to need, you know, just in general, four or five hours a day of sun. Okay. And if we can't achieve that, what's the best way to combat that? Should we get grow light? Oh, you can. You can grow everything with grow lights. I mean, and now, you know, even in big buildings in New York City, they're growing all kinds of produce and grow lights. So, and, and the availability now with the legalization of marijuana, grow lights is off the charts. So you can grow anything you want to grow in the world with grow lights very efficiently. In fact, what we've done to have better density in some of our greenhouses in the winter months when we're growing our color and to make the plants denser, we, we've installed some uh, grow lights in our greenhouses so we can make the days longer in the winter so our foliage is denser on our our annual color that we grow, like our color bowls and baskets and things. So you can do a lot with grow lights and they're very efficient. That's great information. And would you still recommend putting the grow lights outside in that environment? Well, you could. I mean, that kind of mimics what we're doing with the, uh, with the greenhouse, you know, and, um, and they can be very efficient that way. The only thing is with the grow lights is, you know, they want to be about the right distance away from the plant. So probably about four feet away on some of them, four to six feet. Okay, good, good to know. All right, thanks, Maurice. Have a nice weekend. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, Mitch in Cave Creek. Hello, Mitch. Good morning, Brian. How are you this morning? I'm going to warn you, we got a minute, Mitch. <laughs> okay, all right, quick. All right, we're up in Cave Creek, uh, well water. Uh-huh. It's trace, trace minerals and heavy metals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Will that leach into citrus if we grow it? Can we eat the citrus or is it No, you know what I would do is I would take your water down to IAS Laboratories. That's the one that we use. Now they'll do a test on it for you. Okay. And as far as having, you know, if you had a lot of arsenic or something like that, I I don't still see that it would ever be high enough to go into the, uh, to the fruit itself. I mean, it would be really a lot of arsenic to have that much, but for drinking water quality and those kind of things, you always want to get your water tested. And that's what we do in our farms. You know, our farms, we don't really have city water. We have all well water and we use it for domestic water and, and to water our plants with, and we'll amend it doing different things to make it better or worse. But, you know, most water here will grow things. If it's too salty, you can add, you know, different things like some sulfur and, and they can give you all those recommendations there with a lab report on your water. 
Great. Okay. And then the vegetable garden, same, same, same situation, way. But I yeah, guess. but the nice part about yeah. that, if you just, you know, it's probably $60 to do a water test and uh, they'll uh-huh. give you a breakdown and, and, and recommendations and you'll know what your water is going to do for you and your plants. Got to let you go. We got Great. our minute used up. Thanks, Mitch. Right. We'll be right back after the news here. We've got uh, the lovely Susan Monday in the studio. Number to call in the meantime, 602-277-5827 for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.